Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Well, it's 1872, Derby Day. The opening 40 minutes are done. Edinburgh nil, Glasgow nil. It's Magnus Bradbury who dives over to score for Edinburgh and extend their lead. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast and Happy New Year. 2021 is the same old kick in the teeth as 2020, but as ever, we are going to be with you every step of the way through the trials and tribulations of Scottish rugby. Um, As ever, it's David, Alan and Matt. Alan, Happy New Year. How are you doing, bud? Yeah, good. Feeling fresh, ready to go. This is now kind of technically what the... We're into the fifth year, a calendar year, that we've been doing the pod. Yeah. Sixth calendar year, maybe. Bloody heck. I think I, been doing I this think for a long time. I think we started in 2016. So actually, we've kind of tracked the sort of the, the death spiral of democracy and Scottish rugby, like sort of perfectly through the pod, which is quite quite enjoyable little um, time space to, to have been um, operating in. Um, Matt, happy new year! You um, enjoy invigorated by the start to twenty twenty one as much as we are. Yeah, definitely. I, I like to think over that kind of six year period that we've contributed to the death of democracy as well. Um, definitely the, the sort of death spiral of, of Scottish rugby. Uh, no, no, I'm good. Interest, interested to see if twenty twenty one is a bit of an improvement on a lot of fronts, including Scottish rugby. But uh, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. 
I think we absolutely will. If it is your first time joining us, thank you very much for, for finding us. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Um, send us an email, the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com and sign up to our newsletter that is on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast on Substack. And we will be in your inbox every week talking about Scottish rugby. It is very, very good fun. And since it's the start of the year, I know you all know this already, but there's plenty of you that haven't done it already. Get onto iTunes or whatever platform you use and give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think about the pod. It is great for us and our egos, obviously, but it's also good to help other people, other lonely and depressed Scottish rugby fans out there find the Thistle community and talk about Scottish rugby um, every week. So get on there and give us some reviews. Seeing as we've sort of appeared to have sort of completely given up on trying to sort of commercialise our podcast reach, either through offers or anything else, just give us a give us a rating as a sort of gift to the pod. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, if you want to send us some money, um, we'll put our bank details in the um, in the show notes as well. If you really feel that good, but the ratings will do um, for starters. Um, so this is our first podcast of 2021. Since we last spoke to you, there's been one cancelled Edinburgh versus Glasgow game. One Edinburgh versus Glasgow game that we all wished was cancelled. And there's another coming up Friday night, lockdown lights, tomorrow night, Glasgow versus Edinburgh. How exciting is that? And in between, there's also been an awful lot of transfer news. So we're going to start off the pod by going through all of that. The good, the bad and the ugly of the comings and goings of Scottish rugby i think probably the biggest one why don't we start with as ever with scottish rugby let's start with the negatives and alan the most negative man in scottish rugby i'll come to you on this one duhan van der merwe um has been an absolute stalwart for edinburgh over the last three years recently capped by scotland very recently in fact is heading off to join worcester how are you feeling about that one uh, I'm not feeling too bad. I feel like sort of the the general sort of negativity around it has been a little bit um, a bit much, actually. I think, you know, we're obviously all aware of the kind of pressures that the SOU are under. And I think clearly they're going to make some tough decisions. And you look at kind of the news that's come out this week and we'll come to it. Obviously, they've kept someone like Hamish Watson. And I think when you look at big decisions like, Ultimately, do you step? Do you stump up the money for a player like Hamish Watson versus someone like Duhan? I think Hamish Watson is exactly the sort of player that Edinburgh should be trying to keep hold of. And ultimately, given the way that Edinburgh play, I don't. Th- whilst obviously Duhan is great and has an unbelievable highlight reel and will make you meters, I feel like in terms of the success of Edinburgh over the next two years is going to be more dependent on players like Hamish Watson than it is someone like Duhan. Yeah, and I suppose it's just indicative of the um, the decisions that the SRU have to make when they've got these sort of star players and X amount of money to spend. Um, Matt, so Duhan is um, is leaving. Um, did you have any? What are your feelings about that? There's obviously been an awful lot said about him cashing in his Scotland cap, essentially. Um, what what are your views on that? Obviously, he came in, he's got one cap, and now he's left in terms of um, de- dedication to Scottish rugby clubs. What are your views on that debate? 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, in in some senses, I don't lay the blame at his door because he's not the one that's been making the rules. He's come over to Scotland and been absolutely incredible for Edinburgh, has earned that Scotland jersey for sure, and clearly is getting a lot more money at Worcester. And, you know, we talked about it before, for a guy that maybe has had injury problems in the past and rugby careers are short in general, you know, fair enough. Um, I I think that, you know, that we can, we can sort of ask questions about the residency um, system for sure. And I I suppose my only other concern is just, or slight disappointment is the fact that I think he's better than Worcester. Now I I think that he could probably go back to France and do a very good job, or I just would have liked to have seen him at a better English premiership side because You'd, you'd hope that leaving Scotland, he's still pretty young, he would get a lot better. And I just don't know if Worcester's the the place to do that. But, but on, the, on the other hand, you know, I, I agree with what Alan's saying. And and also now that one of the sort of the main virtues of having Doohan in the Edinburgh team before he was Scots qualified was he pretty much played every game. So he scored bucket load of tries. But now that he probably is a first choice pick for Scotland, Edinburgh are going to get a lot less value from him. And clearly he's expensive at a time when Edinburgh are under pretty severe financial constraints. I also, I, I don't think it's completely fair to say that he's someone who like kind of beats up sort of the dirt trackers and kind of stands up against people like Zebra, but doesn't, doesn't kind of stand up against kind of your months and your lenses. But I do think his sort of level of performance does drop in those games. And where it's kind of a little bit more of a sort of kind of a structured affair, and you've kind of got to really pick your moments. I, I don't think he's properly sort of stepped up in those big knockout games. Um, so you know, as you say, I I, I I agree with what you say. I think it's you know obviously you prefer to have kept him, but now that he's going to be out for international matches, given the way that Edinburgh play, it's I don't really see it as the end of the world. So that's one, that's the main outgoing that has come and uh, has been a massive talking point over the last few weeks. Um, I think it was just yesterday or the day before, Hamish Watson has committed his future to Edinburgh, um, which you've already touched upon, Alan. There was speculation, not least rabid speculation on this podcast that he was heading off to Racing 92 after some comments made by um, Finn Russell in the Sunday Times. But Matt, you've got to look at a guy like Watson staying and think that's a massive coup for the SRU and for for Edinburgh. Yeah, definitely. He's been absolutely incredible for Edinburgh in recent years and also for for Scotland. And I think you we tweeted about his stats recently, you know, 100% tackle completion rate in 2020 and sort of 13 turnovers which I mean I think amongst at sort of that tier one level was best in the world. So I think it makes a pretty big statement. And once again, I suppose it's just Edinburgh looking at their budget and thinking, where can we allocate this money? And I think what Alan said earlier is right, that the way Edinburgh playing at the moment, it probably makes a lot more sense to to allocate those those dollars to a Watson versus a, a Van der Merwe. I, at the same time, I, I wouldn't have been 
that disappointed to see him go just to see because I think he is so good to see how he would fare for a top premiership side or as was rumored going to to Racing. But but I suppose and, and also at the same time um, at, at Edinburgh you do have quite a lot of back row strength and some young guys coming through like Connor Boyle and Rory Darge who are, are talked up quite a lot. So it would have been quite interesting to see those guys get a bit more game time. But on the whole, it's it's a very positive development at, at a time when there there haven't been sort of too many to shout about. I think if you're, uh, you're sort of second choice back row, so people like um, Ali Miller, Bradbury, Luke Crosby, who've sort of played across the Autumn Nations Cup, if they had potentially kind of staked a bigger claim um, over those matches and had sort of produced maybe a slightly higher level performance, I would have been sort of less gutted about Watson leaving. But I think one of the things that sort of the Autumn showed is actually there is quite a big gulf between Richie and Watson and sort of the rest of the sort of back row options. And I guess potentially also with Mata, it looks like Mata's probably going to leave. The music is that he's almost certainly going to leave. And so that obviously pulls out a big ball carrier for Edinburgh. And given the fact that Watson just kind of continues to develop into kind of, even though given his size, a, a very effective ball carrier, it feels like it's good to keep him in that team. Absolutely, and I, yeah, I remember when Mata signed his extension. All of the talk was that it was it was pretty much a a one one and done um, or two and done. But who knows what COVID might have done to uh, to that and the rugby market that we've seen being sort of uh, completely altered by it. Um, those are the two major stories you would say of the um, of the last couple of weeks: Duhan leaving and Watson staying. But there have been other comings and goings. Cummings being the um, operative word, Scott Cummings has committed his long-term future to Glasgow. And at a time at the moment when Glasgow are really, really struggling, coming, that Cummings signing perhaps felt bigger now than it might have done maybe like sort of six months ago. Alan, do you think it's a, a sort of a very good piece of business for Glasgow? I mean, it depends on how much they pay, right? Obviously, don't know. But... Um... I think in terms of the sort of development of that Glasgow team and, and what um, Wilson clearly wants to kind of do is kind of bring a bit more sort of solidity to that pack and bring a bit more structure. I think Cummings, given his sort of age profile, so 20, just turned 24, and the fact he's from, you know, Glasgow, you know, you, you want him there to be sort of the heart, heart, being heart of that squad going forwards. And I think, you know, hopefully... Him and it kind of feels like Richie Gray's now sort of settled in Glasgow till sort of the end of his career. So you kind of hope that for the next two or three years, that's that's sort of your starting second row, which feels you know, really strong, especially given sort of Richie's performance of the weekend. Absolutely. Turnover City in the lineup for Richie Gray against Edinburgh. And we'll come on to talk about that game a little bit later on. Keeping on that theme, I think we missed or certainly haven't talked about Adam Hastings leaving. Now, there's been huge amounts of stuff said about that on various podcasts and in articles across Scottish rugby media, but we will touch on it um, now shortly. Matt, Hastings leaving, going down to Gloucester, it does leave a big hole in Glasgow in that number 10 jersey. 
What what do you feel about that move? Um, He's sort of come, established himself as a Scotland 10 and he's off again. Um, What's what's your perspective on on the Hastings deal? Yeah, I think it's very disappointing. I think the Hastings, even in a struggling Glasgow side, would make quite a big difference. And as we've seen in sort of recent weeks, the, the drop-off behind him at standoff is pretty steep. Pete Horn and, and Brandon Thompson in particular just haven't shown themselves to, as able to, to fill that gap. So it's disappointing from that perspective. I, I can see why he's gone because... You know, Glasgow probably isn't the, the happiest camp at the moment. And I'm sure he is making a lot more money at Gloucester. But but once again, I just feel as if Gloucester are bottom of the premiership at the moment. I know they've got a kind of young coach and they do definitely have some, some good players and they, they always have a lot of potential. They've, they've never actually been able to fulfill it. And I think it was Cockrell saying this week, uh, talking about, players moving south of the border that Gloucester and Worcester are place, aren't places that you go to win trophies. Now, I don't think that Hastings is moving at, at a similar point as a Finn Russell, say, in terms of quality, but I, I'm just not 100% sure if he will massively improve his game at Gloucester. But then again, you know, the... the Adam Hastings' strength is, is his running game and playing in the Premiership, it's more attritional. It's more about you have to win every single game. Maybe it makes him a, a sort of more well-rounded player. Okay, do you think there is another player across both kind of Edinburgh and Glasgow teams that has a worse impact on their respective pro side leaving than Adam Hastings? No, I guess I'm thinking just due to due to his age, his sort of kind of influence on the team, and then the the quality that sits below. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think across the both the Edinburgh and Glasgow teams, the the depth in most positions is a lot better than at standoff, and obviously, you know, with with certain players leaving in recent years. Hastings is now arguably Glasgow's best player. Well, certainly most um, influential, but there has been some talk about him um, being replaced by an old uh, member of the Glasgow faithful and um, friend of the pod, Duncan Weir, has been repeatedly linked coming back to Glasgow. He's done a couple of interviews where he sort of intimated that that is the case. Everybody loves Duncan Weir, Alan, all of us included. Is he a suitable replacement for Hastings going down south if he were to come back to Scotland? I think if he's brought up in conjunction with a player like Ben Healy, who is obviously the the, the young sort of monster player who, who Glasgow have also been sort of um, linked with, then I think that's a really nice sort of combination of you know, someone who who has played in sort of pro matches and, and has proved himself to be of the quality, um, of a quality that's high enough to, to sort of play in pro matches, and is young is young enough to kind of definitely have a lot of development ahead of him. I think he's like twenty one, and then to have someone like Duncan Ware as well, who can either who can either start 
um, or is can, can be brought on to sort of close out matches. Can definitely be is it by by far a good enough player to sort of cover across sort of Six Nations etc. That as a two felt like a really good to me sort of um, position to be in. The, the issue then is if you only get one of them, because it feels like one of them by themselves just doesn't really sort of solve what what Glasgow need. Do you think that? We're basically confirming in a couple of interviews now that Glasgow are are very much in the market for him means that Healy actually isn't an option anymore. I'd be, I would be surprised if Glasgow were to sign both of them, but potentially they would get rid of Thompson, maybe. But t- to me, that, that would imply that Healy isn't coming. And from a point where... You know, even in Munster circles, they're reporting of offers for him. That it seems the trail seems to have been a bit gone a bit cold there. So, so I completely read it as they they were they would get both rather than it being an either or. You know, with Dun- Duncan Ware is going to be thirty when um, when next season starts. So it's not like Duncan Ware is is the long term option. I would say for for Glasgow. So I I, I really sort of read it as it would be the sort of combination of the two and then Duncan Ware would be there to kind of help the development of Ben Healy and then one of Ross Thompson or potentially Brandon Thompson, although it does feel like Brandon Thompson's sort of time in Glasgow is going to come to an end. I'm sure I read a um, Tom English piece or Tom English tweets, which essentially ruled out the fact that Ben Healy was coming. It feels that a lot of heat has come out of that rumour. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how Ross Thompson goes um, he is named to play against Edinburgh which we'll come on to talk about um, later but I, I've, I've sort of reading the runes of rugby rumours and things like that the Ben Healy thing certainly feels like it's not as likely as it was pre-Christmas so you know maybe Glasgow are, are still looking a little bit thin The, the last sort of news that I can see in it was from two weeks ago and at that period it seemed like there was a new development every single day so yeah I think you're probably right but we'll see I mean I think if Glasgow go into next season with Duncan Ware and like Ross Thompson and Brandon Thompson that that feels pretty pretty weak and whilst I sort of really like Duncan Ware I think you can even see a little bit of Worcester that his sort of level of performance has sort of steadily decreased over his time there. And I think I, I'm particularly confident with Duncan Ware being sort of a starting 10 for the next sort of two years at, Gla- at Glasgow. Late, late stage Brandon Thompson has been very poor from the sort of the heady days of unbeaten Brandon when he was sort of stepping in and um, sort of steering Glasgow quite capably through their international periods in sort of 2018, 2019. The stuff he's done post-pandemic in 2020 and early 2021, I don't know if he's lacking confidence or he's just, you know, in a bit of a dip or whatever it is, but his recent performances for Glasgow have been, you know, pretty poor with, you know, glaring examples of that missed easy kick at home against the Dragons and then, you know, that pretty shocking pass that allowed Edinburgh that sort of break in last week's sort of deadlock in the 1872. Um, 
so yeah, I'd be concerned if they were still relying heavily on Brandon Thompson. And I think Pete Horn's days of being able to play 10 at the Pro 14 level are probably pretty numbered as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel pretty bad for Brandon Thompson. You know, like, I think he has had moments across his sort of Glasgow career where he's, he's you know, he's showing sort of glimpses of, of a really good player. And I think, especially when he's been on a sort of front foot ball, he's got sort of quite, quite nice distribution and his kicking has sort of historically been really good. <laughs> it just feels like as that Glasgow pack has progressively sort of got worse and worse, he's he sort of struggled to sort of manage the game and his, you know, just his obviously his kicking in key moments across the last 1872 and, and the Dragons game is just is sort of quite unforgivable and just feels like his confidence is just completely gone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, moving on from um, Glasgow, whose fans are still tearing their hair out, asking for more recruitment. Fin- finish up this sort of section on the transfers and um, bits of rumours um, in Edinburgh. Um, former Glasgow, but now Edinburgh second row, Andrew Davidson is joining Adam Hastings down um, at Gloucester next season in the second row. I mean, it's traditionally an area where Edinburgh have got quite a lot of depth. Matt, have you got a quick view on um, Andrew Davidson leaving? Yeah, it, it kind of makes sense, I suppose, when you look at the Edinburgh second row stocks. It feels like from him being a sort of very promising player who came up at the same time as Scott Cummings, that he just hasn't had much stability in his career. But I've always thought that when he, I've seen him play for, for Glasgow or Edinburgh, on the sort of rare occasions they got a chance, he's always been pretty impressive. So at least he's going to somewhere like Gloucester where he can sort of challenge and, and start to maybe make some, some appearances. Cause I still think he's, He's obviously pretty young, or very young still, for for a second row, and there's a there's a lot of promise there, and I I think it kind of makes sense um, overall. And even if you thought maybe a move back to Glasgow, they're they're pretty well stocked in the second row as well. So it, it'll be interesting to see see how he does. It, it could kind of be the thing that really makes him kick on. Well, yeah, potentially in an all Scotland second row with um, Alex Craig down there as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes in the Premiership, hopefully getting a bit more game time. Finishing off, staying with the Premiership, potential new um, signing for Edinburgh. We understand it's pretty much a done deal. Um, James Lang, Scotland international from Harlequins, coming up to join Edinburgh. Um, our understanding is coming mostly as a fly half, but of course he's a very versatile player. He can play in the centres as he has done for for Scotland. Um, Alan, what do you think about Lang coming north? Excited about that? Um, sort of a little bit indifferent, um, if I'm honest. I I guess a, a little bit is that a little bit of that's down to the fact I just haven't watched him play that much. For, for Harlequins, so I can't um, I can't really comment too much on that what he does on sort of a sort of week by week basis. And I think you know when he's played for Scotland, he's looked uh, relatively competent. I don't think he's like being spectacular, but it's definitely not sort of looked out of place. So no, I think I think it'd be good and potentially sort of brings a twelve that's sort of slightly different to your sort of Chris T, Chris Dean, and George Taylor. He, you know, he, in fact, he sort of can cover ten, twelve, and fifteen. 
you know, he's naturally a, maybe a bit more of a sort of creative player and a bit more of a distributor versus those um, those guys. So potentially might help to sort of open up that um, that Edinburgh back line. And I guess the addition is he can just cover 10 as well, where, you know, ultimately if Jacko goes down at the moment, you know, we'd be left with just Chamberlain, which feels like a massive gap. Well, yes, and there has been plenty of speculation about, or some speculation about Yako's future as well. Um, it would be very interesting to see if he were to leave Edinburgh, what they would do, or whether they would just try and make do with Lang and Chamberlain, as you suggest. A final mention in this transfer um, window discussion. Um, it was a story in the South African press that got picked up by um, a couple of people on Twitter, and then I think a couple of um, um, newspapers up here as well. A South African prop called Bowen Venter um, has been linked with a move to Edinburgh as well. Matt, as WP Nell um, reaches his 150th cap for Edinburgh tomorrow night, we've got a pretty good record of um, bringing decent South African props to Edinburgh, haven't we? I actually saw VP now the other day on the braids jogging and he looked in looked in pretty good shape actually and was absolutely ginormous. So maybe he's got a few more years left in him. He was he was talking on the offside line, I think, this week about moving into a coaching role. That's what he'd like to do. So so maybe that's sort of the the trajectory for him. Um yeah, don't don't know much about Venter. Uh obviously the the cheetahs um you know, maybe they've done okay in the in the Pro 14, but maybe haven't sort of uh, set the fire light. Um, and yeah, there's going to be the usual people sort of complaining about bringing in, and I think a, a, a South African non-Scot. And but then I think Cockrell was asked about it in a press conference, and he said, "Look, we we've got Sutherland, we've got Schumann who will be qualified, and." Uh, one other player, uh, Sam Graham's law as well. And he kind of said, well, if we get Venter at the moment, if we get Venter in, for instance, that position will still be 75% Scots qualified. What do you want me to do? So I kind of get it as someone who can come in and provide that cover for for those guys who probably be, will definitely be in the Scotland squad, assuming in Sutherland at least. Well, yeah, well, that let's let's take that as a final word on our sort of transfer window wrap up. I don't think that is going to be the last we hear of comings and goings out of Edinburgh, Edinburgh and Glasgow, um, I believe. Glenn Bryce, uh, mate. Oh, sorry. Christ alive. How could I forget <laughs> Glenn Bryce's move to the Los Angeles Guiltinis, um, which has, uh, I think, was confirmed in this sort of Christmas um, Christmas period. Um, Alan, are you, you, you happy for the lad? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. So he's staying till after the last Champions Cup games. So I guess he's got, what, three more matches with, with Glasgow? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I'll I thought you yes. had like, yeah. I, I thought it said in his, or in his tweet, or maybe I misread it, that he only had a couple of weeks left on his contract. I think potentially he's covering this game and then the next two European matches, and then that's him, and then that's him off. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I guess you know, fair fair play. It's I guess it's a pretty sweet sweet opportunity. He gets to live live in LA. Our, our sources indicate that as part of the deal, he's been given an F forty five franchise, which we haven't established whether that's in Aloha or Santa Monica. So. You know, pretty, pretty cushy little deal all round. And didn't we say we heard he, you said he was um, actually going to be getting paid more than he's actually on at Glasgow? Yeah, I've, I've I've been reliably informed that's the case, which I was quite surprised by. But that maybe makes things make more sense because if he was only on a short term contract, and I, I would imagine where Glasgow are at the moment, not having much depth. They would have looked to extend that, but if it was only if the offer was only till the end of the season, and he was being offered more at the Guiltinis, then you know, completely fair play to him. I guess he's got you know, it's him and Adam Ash together, which you know always makes these sort of adventure, these kind of big moves a lot a lot easier. You know, they, they clearly sort of know each other quite well. They're, they're from sort of the same part of. Scotland, you know, both appear to be quite sort of like personal guys. So, you know, it, it feels like a pretty great opportunity for, uh, especially for someone like Glenn Bryce, who, you know, if you remember like what, a year and a half ago, you know, was pretty close to not having a contract. Um, so, no, I think it's great. Yeah, best of luck to the I'm looking forward to the first um, sort of Scottish um, derby in the MLR, Old Glory D- DC versus the Guiltinis. It's, it's hard. I'll always be DC till I die, but the Guiltinis are putting together a nice squad. Um, and we will keep an eye on that. Maybe that'll be the new, they'll have to come up with a new Scottish rivalry in the US and we will be following that very, very closely. But the original... Oh, the Guiltinis have got DTH as well. Yeah. And, and they've got um, what's his name? Remember, like the Hanger Lange guy who was at Glasgow for a little bit and was like a complete psychopath, but absolute massive. He's with yeah, them as well. Yeah. The number eight, terrible. terrible. Do you know what? It like strip all back. He has like the frame and skills to be like unreal, but he was terrible. There's also there's that lad from Air that's playing over that's gone over to play in America as well at the at Old Glory, I think. Unless I'm yeah, making Steve, up stories Steve about Long people from Air. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Stevie Longwell, the prop's gone there. Uh, then hasn't James James Malcolm's gone to? 
New he's New somewhere, New yeah. Somewhere. New England Free Jacks or something? Oh, the Free Jacks, man. Yeah, and then Mungo Mason's at uh, Old Glory as well. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Is the Beast on there? The Beast sort of <laughs> did his like 20 minutes COVID hit and he was like, no, I'm sorry, lads, I'm out. Oh, and Callum Gibbons is at Old DC as well. Yeah. Actually, DC. Love, love Old Glory so much. Yeah, I think the Beast yeah. essentially signed, did like one YouTube video of him like taking a scrum session wearing like an, an Old Glory hat and then left. It's like, I'm absolutely done here, lads. Not interested at all. Well, very excited about what MLR is shaping up to be. Um, hopefully when we get onto the other side of this pandemic, we will be able to see some of those Scots abroad and ex- expand our coverage into the US. We're going to break America, lads. I'm excited about it. But let's get back to our absolute meat and drink, the real stuff that powers every Scottish rugby fan through week on week, looking forward to the 1872 Cup every year. Um, Saturday night was possibly one of the possibly one of the worst examples of the 1872 Cup. Um, Edinburgh finally um, getting through as winners, but it was nil-nil for 60 minutes. And um, some of the skills on show were not fantastic. Um, Alan, I know you were watching it. What's, what was your take on that sort of uh, showcase of Scottish rugby from last weekend? I, I think, you know, potentially it wasn't as bad as the nil-nil after 60 minutes sort of suggests that, you know, it definitely wasn't great. And on the spectrum of good to bad games, it was very much on the bad end, but potentially it wasn't as bad as um, as a nil-nil might suggest. And, and I actually don't think it was as bad as a few previous 1872 kind of Um I guess, trying to sort of start with the positives, I think, you know, from an Edinburgh perspective, Scrum was pretty sweet. And, you know, that Glasgow pack obviously wasn't full strength, but it was still Vegas in Turner, Seuley. So it's not kind of a bunch of absolute jokers. I think player-wise, Mark Bennett stepped up really well, especially in defence. He sort of was really doing a lot to sort of cut Glasgow off in terms of being able to do anything in attack. And then on the flip side, I think from Glasgow's perspective, Richie Gray you know, clearly sort of dominated the line-out. Rambo was kind of having a bit of a shocker, and I think it was great to sort of see him back. And I think generally, you know, in defence, especially sort of between sort of the ruck and kind of a couple of people out, it was it was pretty ferocious. And I think at the breakdown, it was pretty, like, well contested. But on the negatives, I just think both Glasgow and Edinburgh's attack is just, like, deeply embarrassing. and. Is like genuinely think you see like a lot better at like Super Six and Prem level. The the most disappointing thing with Edinburgh is it's not too dissimilar a side that a couple of years ago was playing good rugby and beating big teams. And even if you think back to the eighteen seventy two pre COVID last Christmas when. Uh, Darcy Graham scored that really nice try at, at Murrayfield. Like they, they were, they put Glasgow to the sword through a good performance, and the fact that it's pretty much the same squad. But Ed, Edinburgh haven't produced a good performance 
in over, over a year, you know, um, which just, I don't know, there's just some, something wrong with, with the attack or with the structure or with sort of the fluency. And it, it is just pretty uh, kind of, I don't know, disappointing to, to see Henry Pergos just box kicking the leather off the ball as much as he possibly can and seemingly just not much desire or ambition to go beyond one out runners. There's, there's not much sort of ambition or, or invention. And maybe it wasn't a day for that just because the, the quality was so low and they just had to get the win. But it, it just feels like there's a lot more potential in that Edinburgh side when, when you look at it on, on paper. Well, we won't have to wait too long to see if they can pull a good performance out of their arse um, because the second um, 1872 Cup game is coming up tomorrow night. That's Friday night. Um, and a couple of interesting sides named. Not too many changes in the um, Edinburgh side, but Danny Wilson um, down the other end of the M8 has rolled the dice a little bit and has handed um, deb- starting debuts for Ross Thompson and uh, at 10, and Rufus McLean on the wing. And also quite interesting, Robbie Ferguson coming in at 12. He's played quite a lot there, but partnering Nick Grigg um, in the centres for Glasgow. Starting that Glasgow team, Alan, it's, it's quite it's quite refreshing to see some young faces being given, being given a chance, particularly Thompson, after the form and troubles that Glasgow have had at 10 this season. I think it is kind of refreshing. At the same time, it's deeply depressing when you sort of compare it to uh, Glasgow backlines of sort of old and you sort of look at like what Glasgow had against Exeter that time and you had sort of Russell, Hogg, Seymour, DTH, um, Hugh Jones, etc. I think it does show how much kind of Glasgow's attacking capabilities have kind of <laughs> dropped that, you know, we're probably feeling a little bit excited about this this team that has you know quite a few sort of young players and sort of a low volume of caps. Having having said that, you know we've said like Brandon Thompson, you know, feel bad for the guy, but his confidence is, just looks completely gone, and he's just not able to manage the game. I think against Edinburgh, he was just really struggled to kind of get phases going and really just sort of kind of dictate the play. And I think ultimately, you know, when Ross Thompson came on. It's, you know, he didn't exactly kind of look kind of like Dan Carter, but looked relatively competent. And I think, you know, given what's happened previously, it's, you know, it's definitely worth giving him some time to show what he can do. Not saying that just because he's a Schumel legend. But. Yes, I mean, it would be very nice if he just sort of appeared on the sort of professional rugby stage as a sort of ready-made Pro 14-10. It would make Scottish rugby supporting a lot easier if they just had somebody sort of coming off the conveyor, conveyor belt. It'd be like it'd be like living in Ireland when there's like an injury and they're just like, it's fine, we'll just get another, we'll get another sweet player through. Do you think, uh, do you think Hugh Jones, when he, he's, he looks at that team and he's, he's at fullback from the back, and he's thinking, right, how much ball am I going to get? Or, you know, what's ahead of me defensively? And he just goes, I'm so glad I'm moving to London Irish. 100%. <laughs> I, 
I think Hugh Jones will look back at kind of what the dream was sold to him back in 2016, 2017, when he joined a team that was saying, you know, whether it's Finn, Hogg, um, he was going to be playing 13 with sort of people like Sam Johnson or Pete Horn. And he'll probably just be like, this, you know, that this isn't what I thought it would be, right? Do you think he's happy, actually, with the way that Leicester have gone in the last two years that he didn't take that um, that big money move to the Premiership two years ago and stuck it out with the SRU? Or do you think the fact that, you know, he didn't make the didn't make the World Cup and his sort of form dipped, he's sort of now quite bitter about staying? I think he would have been happy with the move at the time. Although Leicester obviously haven't been playing well recently, they're still... A- big club who can bring in a Steve Borthwick and they've got a great youth setup and they've got like huge attendances on on, on average uh, so yeah I can see why he would be a bit gutted and why he wants to move I mean the, the other thing about that if you look at the, the Glasgow squad that, that team that has been announced they're, they're front five and actually arguably all of their pack with the exception of Ryan Wilson is you know, a very good um, forward pack. Uh, Tom Gordon's obviously got a lot of potential. Matt Fagerson should be uh, done well with Scotland recently and, and has always been good at, good at, uh, at Glasgow. And, and that front five are all pretty proven performers. But it's it's that maybe the difference between that, that and Edinburgh is the drop-off. And you look to the Glasgow bench of Matthew Sayuli, Pioretto, Bean, and Ioanni, and you think like you don't want any injuries, and you don't want any of those guys coming off because that that there's there's a big gap there. Yeah, the, the difference in, in quality off the bench is quite stark, actually. Especially, I think when you look at when you look at the forwards, just that what Edinburgh can bring on, especially in the prop in the prop department in terms of Skewman and Nell, and then even someone like Jamie Hodgson, who's looked pretty good, and then Bradbury, who, you know, is an international player versus kind of what you've outlined for Glasgow. That that really could be a matter, like the difference tomorrow. Here's a different way of looking at it. Who needs this win more? I mean, Edinburgh, if they get this win, there's a chance that they're sort of catapulting themselves, you know, back up a table which they can sort of maybe get themselves and solid European qualification for next year? Or do you think Glasgow need it way more just because, you know, they just desperately need a win? To be honest, I don't think it really really matters. I think both teams need it as much as, as each other. I think Cockrell, for the first time, is under quite a lot of pressure to sort of prove his worth as a coach, whether he sort of says that or not. And... I think he sort of really needs to get this team team into Europe. And on the flip side, you know, I think probably Danny Wilson does have a bit more of a kind of breathing room just because, you know, he wasn't able to kind of fill his squad with any players over the summer and, you know, they've had impacted by COVID. But the I guess the big thing to watch out for and, and what will be severely depressing if if it does come to fruition is if Glasgow lose at the weekend to Edinburgh. And Zebra beat Benetton at home, which, given the fact that Treviso are like completely terrible, is ve- is a very realistic possibility. 
then Glasgow could actually go bottom of the group below Zebra, which would be just like <laughs> optically just the it just looks so bad, right? Yeah, I mean that would be horrific. I wonder when the last time was that like at this point of the season, Glasgow or Edinburgh were sort of rock bottom of their pool. It's one for the one for the stats gurus out there. If you can let us know on uh, on Twitter, that would be great. Matt, are you with us or not? I think um, in classic 2020-2021 style, um, Matt's internet connection has gone, so we are down to just you and I, Alan. We'll leave him be. Um, so that's you know what we who we think needs the win a little bit more. What do you think will actually happen tomorrow night? Uh, I, I, I'm pretty certain it's it's going to be an Edinburgh win. I think you know. <laughs> Similar to to the match of the weekend, I think it'll be sort of pretty close at, at half time. Hopefully not nil nil, but uh, relatively sort of close. And I, and I think you know to the point. I think Edinburgh's a experience and then also depth. It's just going to sort of see them through. So I think you know, looking at maybe sort of like a a twenty twelve sort of deal. I would suggest. Yeah, it's I, it's hard to particularly when you look at those analyze those benches and of the bench being so important. I can't see Glasgow holding on for the whole eighty minutes. I do think they'll put in a, a renewed and decent performance. I think that front five battle is really really interesting. Um, it's two really really great front fives of the forwards going going at it, um, and decent back rows as well. Edinburgh probably edging it there. Um, really excited to see Thompson at 10 I really hope he can sort of step up um, and why don't I say I'm going to back McLean to bag a try on on his starting debut which is exciting um, but yeah I, I think around about what you've said as well I think Edinburgh will ultimately end up winning it and Glasgow fans will be left sort of uh, you know, staring down the abyss of potentially bottom of the pool so bleak but um, the, uh, the the bookies have um, Edinburgh winning by two, so that's uh, that's where the market has it. So Alan's sure thing is um, is is Edinburgh to win by more than by more than two. Beat the spread. There's definite value there. That is um, two points seems very very tight. So there you go. Invest all this money you're saving in lockdown with Alan's sure thing um, on. Edinburgh to beat Glasgow by more than two tomorrow. Um, and you'll be a very happy Scottish rugby fan for the first time of the year. So we will leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, we will, of course, be live tweeting through the 1872 Cup game tomorrow night. So join us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. We'll probably be doing some stuff over on Instagram as well. That's Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Send us an email, your thoughts, your love, your despair about Scottish rugby, the thistle rugby at gmail.com and we will be in your inboxes the beginning of next week, the Thistle Rugby podcast on Substack. Get yourself on there and subscribe. iTunes, five-star reviews or wherever you listen to your podcasts and we will speak to you very, very soon. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.